Welcome back, everyone, to 101 Questions That Church Planters Ask. I'm your host, Danny Parmley, and today I'm super excited because we have with us Steve Shadrach to help answer the question, why should I raise financial support? Now, the reason I'm so excited about having Steve on here today is he's the author of the book, God Ask, and this is one of the required readings for the church planters, uh, all the church planters that I coach before they start raising support. Uh, but I'll uh, kind of, you know, before we jump into all of that, Steve, why don't you just give us a little bit of uh, background of who you are? Well, thank you, Danny, for putting me on today. I'm honored to join your crew. Um, I grew up in Dallas, Texas. I'm married to a wonderful woman for 37 years and five kids and eight grandkids. And we live in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, the northwest corner Razorback land. Yes. Uh, yeah, we we're, we we hope we have a better season this year. <laughs> uh, we're in the SEC West, which is like pro football, you know. Right. Um, but I uh, I grew up in Dallas, came to Christ right at the end of my senior year, came up here to go to college. Uh, wasn't planning on joining a fraternity, but lo and behold, got into one and for three or four years tried to reach these you know, what I call hellions for Christ. And it kind of set the course of my life. Um, I wasn't planning on going to seminary, but I did. I wanted to honor my father. Really, he was wanting me to do that. And, and it was good experience, but I really wanted to work with college students. And I came back to my Fayetteville here uh, to come on staff with my church as the college pastor. And so for four years, I was a pastor, but I struggled with some of the different pastorly duties, you know, that they that they uh, have us do. And I realize I love students, but I, I, I don't think I'm called to be in on a pastoral role in a local church. And so uh, myself and some of our key leaders that we had developed in this college ministry launched out and started an, uh, a 501c3 nonprofit campus ministry called Student Mobilization or STUMO. It's kind of been known now since for years. And so my pastor graciously gave me six weeks of severance. I thought that was, you know, wow. very, very, very nice of him. Um, but, uh, but I was highly motivated, Danny. I, I, I was married with three young children and one on the way. <laughs> so you can tell that that has yeah. a way of, of lighting a fire <laughs> under a man. And I really didn't know what to do. I, I knew we had to raise our support to start this organization and start with my own personal support. I had observed two others, uh, you know, that were campus ministers. One of them was a good role model, and he seemed to be able to provide for his family and 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 provide for his ministry. The other one, man, it, it, he was he was just just you know scraping the bottom of the barrel in his family and his house and his clothes and just is it was just a, it was it was a bad role model. Yeah. So I I said I think I'm going to choose option A. You know I, I like the yeah. way that guy is providing for his family and ministry better, but still I had no training or no books or anything, and so all I knew what to do is I had a six week window, wow. and I said, honey, um, I'm going to focus on this, and so bear with me. Uh, but I met every person I've really had ever known in my short little life, Danny. And I got with them face to face. I shared with them this vision of reaching college students for Christ and uh, asked them, asked them to come onto my monthly support team and then let them answer. That's a yeah. wild thought to let them answer, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and lo and behold, by God's grace, six weeks later, uh, we were at full support and we were able wow. then to launch, launch this ministry and get started. So that was 30, you know, golly, you know, 36 years ago or so, some number like that. 
So I've lived on support for 36 years, and and I can tell you, I can tell your listeners, um, it's very possible <laughs> to yeah. fully support your family, fully support your ministry in very bountiful ways, fruitful ways, by uh, by living on the ongoing support of others. And so um, that's been a uh, an amazing experience for me. In fact, I wouldn't want to live any other way. If you, if you came to me right now or at any stage along the way and said, Steve, I know it's so hard to maintain your support team and all. Let me just pay your entire salary for the rest of the way out. You've earned it, Steve. No, no, I'd say I wouldn't trade these relationships and this team. I almost feel sorry now for people that don't have a team around yeah, them. That's right. To give, to encourage. So it's not really about the money, Danny. It's not about the money at all. And there are much bigger reasons. Yeah. As to why to raise support than just, gosh, I need some money to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. Now, uh, the, the book title is a little weird. Every time I tell it to a church planner, they kind of wrinkle their face, wrinkle their, like, what? what? What do you mean? Tell me a little bit, because I know that it's really the overall premise of the book. It is, and, and I can't claim uh, that it was my idea. I've really never had an original thought in all my life, Danny. Have you Have you had one? <laughs> Sometimes uh, I think I do, but then I find out later that someone no, else, dang, someone else no. came up with this before I did. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, we, I had been doing a seminar in the year 2000. I'm really showing my age now. I had transitioned the leadership of that student mobilization ministry organization to the to the next generation, I can start something, but you better not leave me in charge too long. Do you know people like that? Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, I, I was starting to get invitations to train other organizations. And so we created this boot camp for personal support raising um, in, in the year 2000. And um, and it went well. And, and we um, uh, trained. I don't know, maybe maybe fifteen hundred organizations since then. You know, in, the, in all in every month a boot camp in a different city, and now we're in different countries. Um, but then it came time I was t- burned out. We had to transition this this boot camp from a lecture eight. Let's think about this: an eighteen hour lecture seminar in two days. Talk about wearing people out. Yeah. Uh, to a two day facilitated workshop. Okay. And so that's what it is now. But we had to have a book that would kind of give all the goodies that we've been training people on for all these years. Yeah. And so really I took the boot camp, the, the original version and put it into a book. Okay. And at, at first it was kind of a manual, kind of a dry, dusty step one, step two manual. And I said, you know, we got to make this more readable, more enjoyable. Let's pack it out with some great stories. Let's give it a title that will really, you know, and so uh, a missionary friend of mine in Kenya, um, as we were trying to get the word out, give us some ideas on a, on a title. Uh, he, he's the one that shared this with me, Tom Stickney in East Africa. And he said, when I go into a support appointment, he said, I don't, I'm not making the Tom ask. It's not me yeah. somehow asking them for their money to give to me somehow. He said, there's a third person involved in this appointment. It's not a Tom ask, he said, it's a God ask. Yeah. And so God great. has asked me to come and approach this person and invite them. But then I'm I want them to make the God ask too. I want them to go to the Lord and ask God, is this where you want me to invest the money? And so that triangle concept that we unpack in the book, there are three people involved in those appointments, I promise you. It's, right. the, it's right. the asker, it's the potential donor. But it's the Lord himself. And when you realize that, it takes a lot of the fears away. 
it, it yeah. takes a lot of the, the 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 struggles and the fears that we naturally face asking people for money. Mm-hmm. That's great. Now you spend a, a good portion of the book in the in the beginning uh, giving you know biblical reasoning and precedent for raising support. Could go on and on, but I want to just give you two questions, uh, kind of packed in one. Why do you spend uh, that that much time? Uh, so, kind of the why behind it, uh, and then also, uh, why? What's maybe your favorite kind of New Testament example of uh, raising financial support? You know, I've had people over the years say, "Shadrach, why do you spend all this time on the on the Old Testament, and the New Testament, before you ever get to the goodies? You know, the yeah. the, the practical how to tell me how to do it. Yeah, so. give me give me the technique." And I will say, brother or sister, um, if you have the right motivation, if you have the right convictions, you'll find a way to raise your support. Uh, but, you know, I, I can give you the little tips on how to make the call and how to make the ask and things. Those are really secondary things. The core issue, especially the foundation that will keep you in the saddle over the, year, the years uh, that, you, that you minister is the why question. And that's where you go to the Old Testament examples, New Testament examples, certain passages that really there is a huge biblical basis uh, of, of, of the why behind personal support raising. And so that's really, uh, if someone can develop a biblical conviction, and what I've observed, Danny, is that almost everyone has strong opinions on this. Oh, I mean, your uncle is... You know, your mom and dad, your sister, your brother, your pastor, you know, either they don't understand personal support raising, uh, they, they've they had some bad experiences, or they just downright oppose it. You know what? Virtually none of them have ever done a thorough, inductive, objective, personal Bible study on the topic. So really, they don't have much room to speak because they're just speaking out of their fears and their perceptions. And well... That's why we. That's why the God ask about it. almost half of it is personal Bible study to give them those biblical convictions. And probably the one that I love to go to most <laughs> that people don't really realize because it's kind of hidden back in there is Luke eight, Luke eight one through three, where Jesus Himself. I knew we were going to get a Jesus juke from you, hey, right? brother. Like you can't, like, if, hey, if Jesus the, did it. It's good enough the, for him. What would <laughs> my bracelet? What, what would Jesus do? You know, well. If the Son of God chose, think about that. He could have chosen all kinds of different methods during his three-year ministry to fund himself and his men and their ministry and their personal needs. He could have attached money changers to their hips and cha-ching and cha-ching, money flying everywhere. That would have drawn crowds. No, he chose, the Son of God chose to live off the ongoing support from individuals to support the personal and ministry expenses of he and his men. And lo and behold, in my quiet time, I'm reading through Luke 8. There he is doing it himself. In Luke 9, the very first few verses, now he's sending out the 12 two by two to go into towns. But before they start their ministry, they've got to raise their support. They've got to find a person of peace, someone who will provide room and board for them and provide for all their needs. So now they can use it as a base of operations you know, to do their ministry. And they say, lo and behold, the next morning in my quiet time, Luke 10, now he's sending out the 70 to do the exact same thing. So if your listeners are struggling with, is this really biblical? Uh, I think you can look at a lot of Old Testament examples, certainly a number of New Testament, Paul himself, you know, but even 
Jesus himself. So that's we're on pretty good ground, I think. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Uh, I often hear church planners um, say, and even as they're sharing their stories with other church planners, raising support is just this necessary evil. What is so wrong with this perspective? And if people could see the cringe on your face right now. So, yeah, you know, that is so typical. It's common. I I don't want to make someone feel too bad because because they're probably in the majority. You know, you know, we all uh, we all have perceptions before we come into this. Uh, Most of them are probably negative perceptions. We certainly have people in our lives that are speaking out against this. You know, it's just. I don't know if your audience is international or not, but it just feels so un-American, you know. We 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 pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We don't ask anybody for anything. And yet asking is an incredible biblical concept. I mean, 147 times in the gospel alone that we either, uh, you know, asking God or asking others, we've got to get into our mind that asking is good. Asking is biblical. And then if we spend the rest of our life asking God and asking others, uh, we'll be fulfilling the scriptures in so many ways. James 4, 2, we have not because we ask not. So if someone thinks it's a necessary evil, they've certainly never done the, the, the inductive Bible study. You know, they can find that in the appendix of the God Ask if they want to get started on a Bible study. But um, if someone also thinks support raising about money, Oh, they, they've already got two strikes against them, Danny. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is bonus material, but, you know, you know, support raising, personal support is not about money. It's primarily about vision and it's about relationships. Okay. And so this, I believe, I've come to the conclusion that personal support raising is the greatest mobilization strategy that God ever came up with. Because yeah. think about your audience, if they're about to go out and launch their support raising, and, and, and they're going to have 40, 60, 80 appointments, some huge number of one-on-one, you know, keep some social distancing there, but, but, but one-on-one appointments with their network. God has plopped them right smack dab in the middle of what, 100, 200 people that have been part of their lives over the last 25, 35, 45 years. They would not be having individual appointments with each of those people unless they were required to raise their support. Yeah. What are they going to do in those appointments? They're going to share their testimony. They're going to share uh, the the vision for reaching the world for Christ, a vision for planting a church, maybe even sharing the gospel with those appointments one-on-one. And so this was this is a sneaky way for God to use you in your network, and you're the only person that can mobilize your network. Don't don't you if you view this as a necessary evil, you're gonna miss the joy and the power and the potential of going to those 60, 80, 100 people face-to-face and for the first time ever, first time ever probably, and first time in their whole life, they'll ever have a Great Commission worker come and sit with them face-to-face and share with them about reaching the world for Christ and then inviting them to partner with them. This will probably be the yeah. only time they'll ever have. Don't don't, don't, don't botch it. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> ruin this opportunity in your network that God has put you right in the middle to be the catalyst, the mobilizer. It, it, it's just an amazing opportunity that someone has. And so don't. it's not about money. In fact, if, if, if you go into your support appointments and they sense it's just about you getting some money or getting to 100%, they probably are not going to come on your team. They may right. give you a charitable donation. 
I don't want any charitable donations. I want ministry partners. Yeah. I want investors. And right. so um, they've got to do the Bible study. That's the place to begin. It really is. That's great. And th the other thing I remind church planters is that they will be raising support uh, for their entire lives. Now, it may look different, and maybe it's not That's personal. Right. Maybe it's not one-on-one. -on -one, but if God's called you to something, this goes to the whole vision and relationships. Uh, he's going to use different people in different ways through the church, whether it's passing a plate, capital campaigns, whatever. But you are constantly... Um, trusting God to provide resources, um, you know, for you. Yep. So, yep. Uh, what would you say are the biggest barriers uh, to raising that, you know, hundred percent personal uh, support for church planters? Because you know, some are probably hearing this; they're excited now. What What would you say are some of those barriers, or the biggest barriers? Well, you know, I, I've 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 quit doing seminars, really like this, <laughs> to be honest, because if someone does a one hour workshop or, or listens to a podcast, they think, Hey man, I've got it. It's done. You know, yeah. I've, I've, I've listened to the guru or something. I got the gyms. I'm ready to go. No, no, uh, no. We, th these boot camps, these two day boot camps, we don't really let them even come until they do about 30 to 40 hours of preparation. Okay. And so uh, the, the, the one big obstacle, Danny, is they don't see the necessary necessity to prepare properly. Okay. It'd be like if they want to go and plant a church, but they've never read a book. They've never, they've never gone to a seminary class. They've never been to a seminar. They just are going to go out there and just kind of wing it and see what happens. No, I have to believe your church planners are doing a lot of preparation, in a lot yeah. of areas. Don't skimp on this one. This is a biggie. And so the lack of preparation, um, the lack of Bible study, is a biggie. Uh, I would say also many of your listeners would have spouses. If you try to launch out into this without including your spouse, uh, without letting them do the, having them do the Bible study, without letting them do the training, uh, and it's just you without them, uh, I think you're going to have some real problems and struggles there. I would, I would at the very least have your spouse read the God Ask do the exercises at the back. They may not go to a full-blown boot camp or something, but it, 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 it can either help oneness in marriage or, or where you, where and how you get your money to support your family. Oh boy, that is a biggie. Or it can, yeah. it can, it can create, you know, a wedge in that oneness. Right. And so I, I would say them not including and involving their spouse, um, I would say another obstacle is uh, someone who wants to shortcut it. Steve, you don't understand how busy I am. <laughs> Steve, if you just understood how important a person I am, you would know that I don't have time to have 60 face-to-face -face appointments. Yeah. No, you better make the time. Right. If you try to, you know, send out an email to everybody, or, you know, how many packets have I received over the years from guys who right. are trying to, you know, short-circuit this thing? And so, uh, or and a then GoFund, finally, a GoFundMe page, you know, because oh they saw word. someone else just oh raise billions. Please, uh, yeah, I would beg of you. <laughs> Maybe down the road, if your kids want to do a short-term mission trip and you want to put a donate here, GoFundMe thing on Facebook or something, that's fine. But don't don't embarrass yourself <laughs> by choosing some sort of a, you know, you know, I, I won't even go there. No. <laughs> lend your supporters enough dignity and honor. See, if you go to them face-to-face, -face, that communicates two things. 
It communicates to them that they are important to you. They're important enough to you that you're going to travel across town or across state or across country, you know, to see them. That, that, that's what it communicates, first of all, which that's powerful. Second thing it communicates is what I have to say is very important. So if you decide to use letters or just texts or phone calls or emails or GoFundMe or something, it, it really tells that person that they're not important to you and what you have yeah. to say is not important to you. So yeah. we've been training church planters now almost 20 years. And this model that you guys are suggesting is an excellent model uh, where you go out from scratch and raise your entire support and you're asking for a three to five year window. And then you're saying, as the church is up and going and growing, I can start to wean my support back. And, and yeah. so you're, you're really launching us. Right. It's a beautiful concept. And we've seen hundreds and hundreds of church planters implement that. Yeah. Part of uh, my story, Steve, is I did the uh, three to four year ask and we, our church was self-sustaining by three years. So I called up supporters and said, um, you know, I, I no longer need your support. Uh, you know, a, a few heart attacks on the other side that I have never had anybody. Do you want to know what they did? Some people doubled their support. Now I wasn't oh, going to turn Lord. any money away, you know, but they Praise just thought the that was the most amazing thing. So, uh, so yeah. Okay. One more question. And, and here's the thing that listeners need to hear. We've, we're only, this is kind of a two part series. First one that we've been covering up to this point is just the why. So we're giving you not all the, you know, the little tidbits and the strategy. Uh, so one more question in there. And I understand there's, you know, there's different models of church planting. There's bivocational. Uh, we believe right. that that's viable. Um, there can oftentimes be a strategic advantage of that. Sure. But besides what you mentioned above with, you know, personal growth and involving others, what's even the uh, pragmatic advantage of raising full support, even as you think about it in the context of, you know, a church planter? Well, you're really asking your your friends, family, other churches, the people you've led to Christ and discipled, anybody that's been in your network over the years, and it's nothing wrong with, with approaching people you haven't met before, but why go to people you, you, you haven't met or ministered to when you could, when you've been spending your life reaching out and ministering to all these people and you have these natural built-in you know, relationships. Uh, so, so you, you, you want to, you know, you want to go to them, uh, first and, um, and, and, and really what you're asking them is, would you believe in me and this ministry vision that we have to plant this church in this area that's in desperate spiritual need? Uh, will, will, will you free me up to focus on that fully? Now, there's, you're right. There, there's, you know, there's examples in the scriptures of tent makers. That's certainly a valid option. Please don't say Paul, <laughs> you know, Paul only made tents in three cities and he had a reason for each one. You know, Acts 18 says that his preferred mode of operation was always full-time ministry, full-time preaching. Yeah. So yes, tent making is one, one option, but even Paul preferred um, to, to be full-time. That was his, what he was focused on. So you're really asking the, this network of people, will you believe in me and my vision so much that you're going to free me up? And I promise you, I'm going to be praying and working and sacrificing and, and your investment in us is going to have some great ROI, you know, return on investment, lives changed. But that's, um, that's yeah. really what you're asking them for is to free you up full-time to fully focus on this 
and you're going to report back to them. That's why those newsletters are important because I want to know. I'm on a lot of support teams. I want to know how our investment is doing. Yeah. I think the freedom of time is so important, especially for church planters, because there isn't this very clear-cut schedule. And in the beginning, the church planter needs to be able to say yes to as much as they can when they have a launch team member or potential launch team member that wants to meet for coffee. Yep, I can do it. Or can you speak at this community event? Yes, I can do it. I mean, you just need that freedom and flexibility uh, as much as, as possible. And so as you're um, you know, doing the God ask, yeah, you're not just asking for you know, financial resources. What people are doing is providing that uh, freedom of time. Well, Steve, thanks so much for being part of this one. Uh, sure. um, thank you, listeners. But uh, I want to invite you to make sure that you come back and listen next week because we are going to tackle the hows. How do you raise that financial support? So for most church planters, that three to five year thing means raising 300 plus thousand dollars, which you may just sound like a crazy and impossible amount. But in the next episode, Steve is going to share some of those uh, uh, very specific uh, steps to be able to do that. So thanks so much for listening. And if you have a question, uh, go to churchplantersask.com. You can leave us a message and uh, join us next week. 